Welcome back to Women in Product Marketing. This is the last episode of season three as I prepare to have my second kiddo. Catch you in the spring with a fantastic new lineup for season four. We're really ending this season on a high note with Claire Maynard, the head of product marketing for new products and solutions at Atlassian. This episode is chock full of our favorite thing, frameworks, and two exciting topics, zero to one product marketing and product-led growth. Shout out to our sponsor, Clue. That's Clue with a K, the leading competitive enablement platform for product marketers who drive revenue for their business. Clue helps you collect, curate, and distribute competitive insights to enable sales and revenue teams to win more deals. Don't just compete, compete to win with Clue. All right, let's do this. Hello and welcome to Women in Product Marketing. I'm your host, Mary Sheehan with Adobe, and I'm here today with Claire Maynard, the head of product marketing for new products at Atlassian. She's been at Atlassian for eight years, where she has held many different marketing positions there from demand gen to growth, as well as product marketing. Claire is passionate about zero to one product marketing and product-led growth, and we can't wait to hear more about it from her today. Thanks so much for being here, Claire. Thank you, Mary. I'm honored to be here. This will be fun. I think it will be too. And people can't see this, but you have an amazing holiday themed background since we're (laughs) taping this right before the holidays. So thank you for coming in spirit. (laughs) Yes. Bringing the holiday spirit. Can't wait. All right. Well, let's start off with our favorite question for season three, which is what are you the most proud of professionally or personally? Yeah, I saw this question and for some reason it was tough for me to answer. I'm not always used to tooting my own horn, but when I thought about it, I'm really, really proud of the team that I've built at Atlassian and the way that we've sort of come together to build something really new for Atlassian. And we'll probably talk about this a little bit more later, but the new products group at Atlassian is fairly new and we've been building this sort of new product go-to-market framework over the last two years. And my team, even though they sort of work on separate products and have separate strategies. They all really come together and are super collaborative and it makes me really proud. And we've been able to sort of break a lot of things at Atlassian, a company that's been around for quite a while and it's challenging, but also really rewarding. So yeah, I love my team. Shout out to them if they're listening to this. And then on the personal side, I was thinking about it just now and with new year's resolutions coming up, I was thinking about my new year's resolution from the year before, and it was about creating a women's golf group. And I did that successfully this year. And yeah, we have a bunch of female players in San Francisco that play together probably monthly. And it's just a great way to connect and get outside and play golf, which I've become obsessed with lately. That's so awesome. Well, hopefully if there's some other lady golfers out there, they can connect with you and be part of this. That's so great. Hit me up. Thanks for for sharing that. And I'd love to hear more about your role. It sounds so interesting. The head of product marketing for new products. Can you tell us more about that? Yes, definitely. So if you know Atlassian, we have a large portfolio of products like Jira and Confluence, Trello. We have 200,000 customers. So really the company's mission is about unleashing the potential for every team. So we have a lot of products in our portfolio that really help with software development, collaboration, and work management. But my team has really spun up around two years ago with the mission that sort of as teamwork evolves in the world, so must our portfolio of products 
products. And Atlassian has been really good at acquiring new companies to expand our portfolio and reach new audiences. But we really wanted to really build that muscle of innovating new products from Atlassian. So point A is this umbrella brand of our new product development program. And we're really trying to build new products to solve new needs of our existing audiences and also needs of new audiences and new markets. And importantly, disrupting our portfolio. So we want Atlassian to stay modern and cutting edge. So I lead Atlassian's point A go-to-market organization and product marketing team. So my role is really to ensure our newest products find product market fit. They develop really clear and concise positioning, packaging, pricing, and messaging, and then sort of develop those effective go-to-market strategies. And eventually, hopefully, the goal is that they find a business model fit and scale. That sounds super exciting. And are you guys promoting these as sort of labs products or alpha products, or at what point do you share them with your customers? Yeah, so we have a whole framework for developing and launching new products. Typically, they'll launch as alpha product to a small group of customers that we sort of handpick and really work hand in hand with. And then we'll launch a beta and then we go GA. So at those different points, which we can maybe talk about later if we have time, are when we're really trying to find that problem solution fit, product market fit, and then business model fit over the course of the sort of framework that we've developed. That's super cool. And I know that you've held many marketing roles, even at Atlassian and before. What originally attracted you to product marketing? Yeah, I can talk a little bit about my background because it is a little unique. I've had several different roles in marketing, and I think each of them have sort of taught me really important lessons and skills for where I am today and where I want to go in the future. I started in performance marketing, where I really learned all about digital marketing, advertising and demand generation channels, along with search engine optimization. So that really made me data-driven and analytical. I loved geeking out on spreadsheets and key keywords and search engines, but I really wanted to get closer to products being developed and really the customers that were using those products. So I made the shift to a growth marketing role and that really allowed me to use that analytical mindset, but go deeper into the funnel to not just sort of those awareness channels, but that full customer lifecycle and full funnel to optimize the user experience. And it allowed me to work much closer with a product team and really build an understanding of our customers' needs. From there, I transitioned more to a traditional group product marketing role for Bitbucket and then for Confluence, two of our products. And then today I'm leading uh, product marketing for our new products team. So the thing I love about product marketing, at least at Atlassian, is that you sort of have to have your hands in many different parts of marketing. Each of the PMMs on my team, especially, are sort of seen as mini CMOs of their product. So you can figure out everything from positioning, packaging, messaging, but you're also going to deploy the go-to-market strategies that fit for your product. So you sort of have to have an understanding of SEO, content strategy, growth, performance marketing, even though you might not have to execute on all of those things. But ultimately what I really love about product marketing is the proximity to the customer and the market. I think it's really research-based and experimental and I'm a psychology major, so that might have something to do with it. But yeah, I really love the sort of science behind growth and also the art of messaging and positioning for customer needs. 
That's so cool. Little did you know it, but you were building the perfect PMM toolkit along the way for all the stakeholder relations you would need in the future. That's exactly. so awesome. And then I'm so interested to hear more about this concept of zero to one product marketing that I know you're really an expert at. Can you start off with maybe defining that for us? Yeah, sure. So when you think about zero to one, it's all about building something new. So it's about finding and validating an opportunity and taking a product from zero customers to their first hundred to their first thousand and beyond. So you might think of Atlassian kind of as this like multi-billion dollar giant, right? That the makers of Jira and Confluence that have been around for a long time, obviously not doing zero to one, but really my team is focused on the new product development and building that kind of framework for how do we look for and identify ideas that will solve customer problems? How do we build and test and validate those hypotheses and then launch and grow the new products to eventually have them be sort of successful businesses? So it's all about that kind of process for before you even have like an MVP product, what are all those things that you're doing on the team to prove and validate that you have a real idea and then starting with maybe your first handful of customers and then your first hundred and things change, right? You sort of learn as you go. Your initial idea for a product might end up being completely different once you've tested it with end users. That's so exciting. How would you say that you approach the relationship with product management in this type of role? And how is it different than maybe working on feature enhancements or products that are not zero to one that already yeah. have thousands of, of customers? Totally. That's a great question. I think the really great part about the team that we've built is that product marketing is involved from day one. So we've even had product marketers on my team that are part of the founding team of a product that we're building. And if they're not on the founding team, they're added really shortly after. So really we like to say like, instead of the triad, the typical triad of like engineering product design, we really talk about the quad or squad, which includes marketing it can include customer research or even customer success in some cases. So this means that marketing really has an equal kind of share of voice and influence on the product and the vision from day one, because they're really the experts in the customer and in the market. So I think that it's sort of different to the traditional models where maybe marketing is seen as a team to like throw features over to, and they're like the distribution arm versus more of that visionary for the product. And I think because we have that share of voice, we can really influence the product roadmap and the strategy. And I actually think that that alleviates a lot of the pressure for the entire team. Like these are really small teams that we're talking about in the beginning. And so if everyone has an equal kind of vision for the product, but also for the go-to-market, those things are sort of one in the same, right? We want everyone to have, we want PMs to be really involved in our go-to-market because we'll probably get to this, but we really think about product-led growth and everybody on the team influences that it's not just a product specific initiative. Got it. And it seems very purposeful in the approach. I love the concept of squads and having PMMs at the very beginning. 
I know something a lot of product marketers struggle with is getting in on the early days. So mm -hmm. did you guys make a conscious decision as a leadership team to make sure that PMM is included or is it part of the DNA of Atlassian? Can you talk about how this is such a common thing for you? Because I'd love to see how other companies could emulate this. Too. Yeah, I think I've definitely worked on teams where product marketing is seen as more of that distribution arm, especially when it's a product that has has been around for a while and is really trying to scale, you need specialized product marketers that are thinking about how do we enable our sales org to do this? I think we're unique in the fact that we're building products from the ground up. We are that zero to one motion. And we really believe that product marketing is essential to that. We want product teams to be enabled by this sort of customer and market knowledge in early days. And so R&D built this sort of new product framework that I can share a little bit about later. But once my team came on board, we said, okay, well, we need to build the go-to-market framework for this. Like, how do these two things interact? Because you can't think about product development and not think about go-to-market. So we essentially said we should add PMM very early in the process, pretty much as soon as they get the go-ahead to start building. And that means that the whole team gets to have that insight into the customer, into the market, into the vision of the product. And they have a shared understanding, which makes it so much easier to work as a team and also to build a successful product. That's so awesome. I've been on both sides of the house too. And I usually really lobby to have more of that squad early days approach because I think it's beneficial for everyone, let alone just the product marketing team. So I'm glad you guys have been able to institutionalize this a little bit. Yeah. And as you mentioned, I do want to talk about product-led growth too. Can you talk about what product-led growth is maybe in the concept of zero to one or how they're different and how you approach it? Well, that's a hot yeah. topic right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Everybody's talking about product-led growth and hopefully I have some unique things to say, but I'm not going to claim that either. I guess I would say that Atlassian, a lot of people would argue sort of pioneered this idea about of product-led growth in very early days. So I've sort of been learning about this model since I joined eight years ago and until more recently when we have made a conscious effort to actually add a lot more of that enterprise sales-led motion. But product-led growth essentially means your customer funnel from acquisition, activation, expansion is really driven by the product itself. The product is essentially growing its users without needing a human touch. But the way that I sort of view product-led growth, maybe a little bit less traditional, it's the sense that you should be product-led growth first, right? Like that should be the core growth model that you're going after. But that doesn't mean that you're not going to have marketing. It just means that you're doing everything you can to make the product as easy to use and as frictionless as possible. So it really doesn't mean that the product team is the sole owner of growth. You still sort of need all the same players, design, marketing, engineering, even customer success. And it also doesn't mean that you never talk to your customers, right? I think it's actually much the opposite. You need to understand customers even more and user behavior even more so than you did in sales-led growth because you can't lean back on a human sort of hand-holding 
this process. And I think when a customer does reach out to you, it actually shows you an opportunity of where you can improve your experience in some way. How could we have improved that experience so they didn't have to reach out to us or could they have self-served that information in product? So all of that stuff is really useful. So having humans involved is actually just as important. And I also believe you can, that's what I say when I say product-led growth first, it doesn't mean that that's the only way you're going to accelerate your growth. Like you can add marketing growth channels like content and SEO and webinars and paid advertising and all that stuff. It doesn't mean you're not going to do that. I think the core thing for my team is that we really want to think about distribution from day one. We really want to encourage these new product teams when they're building their product to start thinking about the funnel and how they're going to attract users into their funnel and keep users engaged while they're building the product. And I think that that's why we want to add product marketing really early in the process, because otherwise you're just like, oh, we built the product, go sell it or distribute it instead of having the onus be on the product to really sell itself. So many good points in there. I think I also had an aha moment when I started learning about PLG, product-led growth, when I realized it doesn't mean it's just product. It's not like the product management team is now only responsible for right. revenue or growth. It's oftentimes that combination between marketing, messaging, and design. A lot of it's in-app, like you were saying. Right. It's that non-human touch, but when they're in the experience themselves, and they obviously need a lot more focus on that. And I also love your point about having it be first. Because I think a lot of companies are like, let's just throw some product-led growth on here. And that works to some degree. But if you're building the product with this in mind from the beginning, you're optimizing, you're learning, you have that in your DNA. I think that's a much better approach to it. So that's really cool to hear that. Right. I'd love to hear about some specific examples or successes that you've had with PLG. Yeah, totally. I've put a few down here in my notes. So I think the most successful thing that we've done in the framework is really that point around have your team think about distribution from day one. Think about the funnels that you can build in your product. And so most of the products in the portfolio right now at Atlassian, the new products that we're building are trying to expand some of our existing customers into their products. So this means they really have to build some of those funnels within our existing product to funnel them into this new product, which does make it a little bit easier for us to sort of expand. So one recent example of this type of thinking is with one of our newer products called Team Central. And without going too much into what it does, one of the things it does is have uh, give customers really a place to communicate like a status of their project or goal to keep other teams informed. So one of the things that the team did from day one is really creating some of those habit forming like hooks, you might think, or like viral loops within the product. So on Fridays, like today, and I did this today, project owners will sort of get this nudge to update their project status. And it's really easy. You fill out 280 characters. And then on Mondays, everyone who's following your status or your project can get that update and that kind of digest. They'll comment, they'll like. So similar to kind of social media, you get that like positive feedback loop, right? People 
people are encouraged to go and fill out their project because they want people to understand what they're working on and doing and they get that sort of positive feedback loop and that creates the product hook so that's something that they did from day one right it's actually core to their product dna it's a sort of ritual that they're trying to get their customers to adopt so i think that that's a great example of just thinking about how do we keep users engaged on a weekly basis and that drives their weekly activation right because they have these natural hooks i'd say the two other examples i have i would love to share because they're not only product-led growth they're actually kind of a blend of like product and marketing led growth. So two of the examples are sort of aligned with content strategy and SEO. So when I worked on the Confluence team, we launched Confluence templates, which was entirely driven by product marketing. We really wanted to tell the story of how a whole organization, regardless of your role, could use Confluence. It's not just for engineering teams, which a lot of people think. So we launched like 50 plus templates on our web pages. Those were all like keyword optimized for search. So Anytime someone would find these templates and try them, they would actually be landed within Confluence, within the product. So because we set up that really frictionless experience of getting into the product, we were actually able to drive activation in the product just from people searching. So that sort of is a way that product and product marketing work together to build. Yes, it was like a marketing driven approach, SEO and content. But because that user experience was so seamless, we could get people to start using the product on day one and really get value out of it. The other one is pretty similar. Atlassian's got these sort of, we call them microsites, but they're sort of like content hubs around a particular topic that our audience really wants to learn about like Agile or Git. And within those sites, we actually have these sort of tutorials that a user could take. Like, I want to learn how to do Agile software development. We actually get them to go into Jira to learn the tutorial. And so we're pairing educational product marketing content with the product experience and actually getting users into the product from day one. So yeah, that's another example of how we're kind of growing the product using both marketing led tactics, but that product experience is really vital because it's got to be seamless and easy to use. And they're enticed. They're like, ah, I want to learn about this process. Those are such good examples. Thanks so much for bringing that to life. I think it's, you hear the term PLG and then it's a little intimidating, but these are right. awesome examples that you put into motion and you must be loving it as a psychology major, especially the first one, <laughs> thinking about forming <laughs> habits and right. actually getting you back into the product. That's so brilliant. That must be really fun to geek uh, out on. <laughs> yeah, I can geek out on this stuff all day long. So <laughs> that's yeah. amazing. I love it. And then as a product marketer, of course, I know that you love frameworks as do I, yeah. and you have this cool framework for developing new products, which is obviously in your wheelhouse from the conversation today. Can you tell us more about how to implement that or what the framework is all about? Yeah, totally. So it's basically pretty simple when you think about it. It's really different milestones that we have each new product go through as they develop a product. And it's really to put in kind of checkpoints to make sure these teams are thinking about the right thing at the right stage. And they're sort of like apples to apples, because basically the whole idea is that we come up with a ton of ideas for new products and we cull a lot of them. So the first time we did this, I think we had 35 ideas 
ideas. We ended up only moving forward with seven or funding seven. And then in this last round, we only funded two. But basically the whole idea is in the beginning, we call it wonder. And you're thinking up an idea. You're trying to figure out like, well, I have this kind of idea for a product and a need. And then we sort of move the good ideas forward into this explore phase where they're really trying to figure out, is this a real pain in the market? So they're doing a bunch of customer research. They're talking to an audience. They're exploring this. Then they're going to come up with like, well, do I have the right solution that meets that need? If our leadership group approves the idea, then they go to building. And so in building, they're building their MVP. Like I mentioned, the alpha. Once they're in alpha, they're probably getting a handful of customers on board. This is product marketing is leading kind of what we call like lighthouse customer program, basically working hand in hand with maybe 10 or 20 customers on these really early concepts, um, doing a bunch of user testing. And then they move forward. Once they validated a lot of those hypotheses, they move to sort of this, I would just sort of summarize it as like showing customers the product. And that's when they would launch more of like a beta and it's sort of becoming more real and validated. And then they move through to the phase where they're actually going to test more of a business. So at that stage, they're sort of at product market fit. I wish I could share this visual. It's probably easier to follow along, but once they sort of have product market fit, or at least early signs of product market fit, then we start to actually test like, well, how many people would pay for this and how much? So we start doing a lot of evaluation and surveys to our customers on how much does someone pay? And then we would sort of release a GA. So at all those stages, there is a checkpoint where they actually go to the leadership group. They present their findings. We make sure they're answering the right questions. And then through all of that, we actually have a go-to-market playbook on like, what does a product marketer do at each stage? Like, what are they responsible for? What are the questions that they're trying to validate? And a lot of it is sort of paired with the rest of the product team. But that was part of my job was building that consistency and playbooks for the team to just follow along because it's not a muscle that we're all used to, right? Not every product marketer has worked at an early stage startup, but it's one of the most sort of fun things you can do, right? And you have the protection of Atlassian, which is great at the early stage. But yeah, that's kind of a summary of the framework that we have. I have a great visual that I probably can't share publicly. <laughs> well, it's very impressive. Thank you for walking us through that. And I, I love how it gives you the opportunity within constraints to explore. Mm -hmm. So you talked about wondering and then exploring and moving through these different milestones and models, but it's okay to have the wild ideas. You just sort of pressure us them as you go through. But yeah. I love that it is obviously a very innovative company. It's really cool to see a little bit about how they actually make work. And talk about from wondering to GA, how long is this process? It's probably hard to say like a typical timeline, but we're talking two months, two years. <laughs> What's a typical? Yeah, like? I would say by like in the first six months, they probably have their alpha ready. And then another six months, they're probably close to GA. So I'd probably say like a year and we can probably stretch that out a bit for some products that, you know, some products sort of have to reinvent the wheel, right? Not all of them know exactly what they're building from day one. And then a lot of them also increase in scope, right? So maybe they found something and they're like, okay, this is really good. But like, what if we add like this other sort of product pillar to the mix? So they might stay in some of these building phases for longer or maybe, you know, in beta for longer. So we're flexible. Obviously we were building this framework as we were launching new products last year. <laughs> so a lot of this is like sort of being adapted 
as we go and as we learn more about how it works. But yeah, it's probably about like a year to a year and a half. That's great. Thanks for giving us the real expectations of this, but still a great way to try out and having a framework applied to your company to develop new products, I think is a must have. I love that. So switching gears, we've been talking a lot about product marketing and zero to one and PLG, but since we're women in product marketing, I'd love to talk a little bit about your experience as a woman in tech. How would you say that that is different than that of your male colleagues? Yeah, I think there's a lot to probably unpack in this question, and I'm sure we could talk about it for quite a while. But I think the one thing that stuck out to me, and I'll be a little vulnerable here, (laughs) I think the biggest thing that I realized, maybe more so when I was in IC, was that the way that I was coming off to my peers and the people that were supporting me or supporting my team was really different than my male counterparts, even if they were acting in the same way, right? And I'm sure this experience is pretty common across women and I'm not really unique here, but I'm a super competitive person. I love sports. As I mentioned, I love golf. I love winning. I also like love growing in my career. And I think sometimes I guess I came off a little more serious at work than I am in my personal life where I'm a little more goofy and silly and just laid back. I just put on my serious hat when I go to work and I got some really real feedback. This was probably about five years ago that I was kind of like rubbing people the wrong way. People called me like really competitive and pushy and maybe like a bit cold. And I would like to say that I was just being assertive. But yeah, it didn't really matter how I felt, right? I didn't want to be perceived that way. And so I had to really adjust the way that I interacted with people. And I was a little bit more careful. And I actually started being a little bit more open at work and more vulnerable and showing my human sort of side at work and being goofy. And I think that that actually made me more approachable and likable. But I don't think a lot of men have to face that at work. They can come to work and be serious and be assertive and driven and like everyone just kind of takes it as, oh, that guy's doing really well. He's like really good at his job. And yes, it's unfair, but I also try to use it to my advantage. Like I think that the team that I try to, or the culture on the team that I have now that I try to cultivate is really open and vulnerable. And I try to make work fun. And I don't know if men feel as comfortable doing that. And maybe that's generalizing, but I try to use that to my advantage as much as possible instead of seeing it as a limitation. But yeah, I think that that's probably a little bit different than male experience growing at a company. Yeah, definitely. I have a lot of emotions about this. So thank you for sharing that. I mean, on the one hand, what a gift that this person felt comfortable giving feedback, obviously been helpful to your career. But on the other hand, ugh, like why? Why do we have to deal with that? That's the double sword. That's really frustrating. Yeah. I can't imagine a male colleague ever being told he was being too competitive or serious. So right. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I got it. And at first I think I was angry. And then I realized like, well, I don't really want to be perceived like that. If people think that I'm coming off as cold or overly focused, like I do need to be a little bit more personable at work, you know? And even though I don't think it's fair, it's in some ways life. (laughs) Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I'm glad you took it with a great salt, but we're able to use it to your advantage, find your own style. And sounds like ultimately bring more authenticity of who you are to your, which I think is really helpful as a woman and being able to just share that part of yourself with others. So it sounds like it worked out for the best, but 
Yeah. Wow. (laughs) All right. Well, I can't believe it, but it's already time for our rapid fire questions here. So I'd love to hear about your mentors in your career. Who have been some of them and where did you find them? Yeah, I think it's a great question and I can't pinpoint a few people, but I would say all of my managers at Atlassian and even my peers and even my team members now, like they're all sort of my strongest mentors. I think everyone has knowledge and experience that you can learn from. And it's really about figuring out what's unique about someone and what's unique about their background that you can really learn from because it's going to be different from yours. So I'm not going to pinpoint anyone, but I would say everyone I work with at Atlassian Atlassian has been awesome and I've learned a ton from. That's awesome. I know this may be hard to boil down, but what is one thing that has been the most important in terms of growing your career? Yeah, I think this is probably similar to my previous answer, but I've had sort of a variety of experience that has really paid off. So even though I've stayed at Atlassian for quite a long time, I've been able to really flex different skills and have different projects in marketing and in leadership. And I'd also say just ask for what you want. Don't be scared to put yourself out there. And going back to that question about men, it's like they're more confident than they are. So just go and ask for what you want, even if you're sort of challenged by it or scared. I think it really shows when you ask for new challenges. And in the long run, all of these experiences are really going to make you be a stronger leader and marketer in the future. That's great advice. What about networking? Do you love it? Do you hate it? Do you do it? (laughs) Yeah, I don't explicitly like network. I can't remember who gave me this piece of advice, but I've really taken it to heart and I think it pays off. So just treating everyone you meet as important because they are, and there's like a purpose and a reason why you're introduced to people instead of just like, oh, it's just like another call I have to make, like make it fun and make sure you sort of take advantage of that learning about someone new and really trying to keep in touch with people in like the smallest ways, just figuring out how you guys are similar and what makes them unique. Again, like kind of being personable, learn about who people are, not just about work. That's going to really make them remember you more and be more likely to help you in the future. So yeah, I don't explicitly do networking. I would say I just, I try to keep in contact with the people that I've been introduced to and that I meet randomly because they're all important. There's a reason why they're in your life. So That's great. I love the personal touch. I think it's even networking now on virtual screens. It's hard to kind of build in the time for that. You just want to jump to the questions you have prepared, but so important to build that relationship and actually get to know the person. So make it fun. Like you said, that's great. All All right. Last question for you. What's next? What's next for Claire? It's a great question. (laughs) To be honest, I don't know. I'm not really one of those people that plans their sort of like three year, 10 year plan. I look for challenges that arise and I look for ways that I can grow. And so whatever I do next is probably going to be a new challenge that will help me sort of grow and continue to learn. But yeah, I have no idea what that is. Well, that's wonderful. Can't wait to see where you end up. I know it'll be amazing, especially based on this conversation. (laughs) But Claire, thank you so much. It was so wonderful getting to know you today. And you shared so many amazing points with our listeners today. So can't wait for everyone to hear this. And just thanks again. Yeah. Thank you so much, Mary. It's been a pleasure chatting with you and super fun. Stay in the know about your competitive landscape with Clue. Share real-time insights across your organization with Clue's dynamic battle cards delivered everywhere your sales reps live through integrations with Salesforce, Slack, HighSpot, and many more. With Clue, you'll never let your sales team be blindsided by competitors again. 
crush your competition with Clue. That wraps another season of Women in Product Marketing. Be sure to subscribe and share Women in Product Marketing with someone you think will love it. We'll be back in the spring with season four, and I can't wait to share it with all of you. In the meantime, take care and go do awesome things. Thanks so much.